Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Romans chapter 3. If you would, would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? Starting verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. We have been previously charged, both Jews and Greeks, that they are all under sin. As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They've all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. Poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word. The word is truth. The word, Lord, can transform and change the way we think, the way we feel, the way we know, the way we experience things. And we just pray, Lord, as we've come to this passage, that I pray that each of us, Lord, would come to that place of understanding that all things are possible. In Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we talked about this last week, so we won't go into too much detail. But, again, God's gravel has been slammed down, and it says we're all guilty. Fourteen indictments that he gives us here. And that's not all of them. But just for our understanding and learning, there they are, right before us. And if you notice, really, if the last part of that, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, is the pronouncement of it all. No hope. You know, it's it's funny because I grew up in the in the era that they used to have the old soaps, which you know, older generation they'd have in between movies, and, or they would have the movie theater that you'd go see. And if you will, the storyline is always the same thing. And what it is is that there's a predicament that happens to the heroine, or the the hero, or somebody else that's you know that is supposed to be good. And it's a a tragic thing, whether it's a villain's after them or circumstance or situation. But they may leave you as a cliffhanger like, oh, no, is she going to get ran over by the train? Or is he actually going to fall off the cliff or whatever? But in the end, what happens is the hero comes and saves them. And all is well. See, it's always great to be able to look at something that you see yourself and you go, what's happening in my life? What can be done? Is there a hero? And really what happens here is God says, here is the indictments. 
The gravel goes down. You're all guilty. All of you. Every single one of you. There's none righteous before God. None. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. But there's a word here that is so powerful that you probably missed it. It's so amazing that you read over it. Throughout Scripture we find it. See, when everything seems impossible, when there seems to be no hope, if you will, in verse 21, it says, but. It's a conjunction word. You know that. But what's interesting about this here is that this but, if you will, just like it says in Webster, it means except, except for a change. Except for the change. But now. But now. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Now, that word revealed is really powerful because it's not just speaking of just a manifestation, but if you will, it speaks of something that's happened in the past. It's telling us that God had a plan all along. And actually, we heard from it from the very beginning in the garden. See, God said to the snake, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It was already there. But even further than that, if you will, it's from the foundations. Because in Peter, Peter says this, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested these last times for you. See, God knew all along this melodrama, if you will. God knew all along the cliffhanger. God already knew how he was going to redeem, how he was going to enter into history and bring us out into the light, if you will. God steps into the righteousness. It's apart from the law. Humanity, apart from Him, had no hope. And being witness to what? By the law. And again, we can go back and we can, or we can go forward because Hebrews speaks of this. The law was just a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things. Can never, with these same sacrifices, which they have continually year by year, make those who approach be perfect. For see, it's not possible that blood of bulls and goats could take away the sins. Therefore, when He came, when Christ came into the world, He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for Me. And burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of Me. To do Your will, O God, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. 
And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away the sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. The prophets also said it. And Isaiah, you know the passages. Surely he has borne our griefs and borne our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. We were afflicted. Now we are saved because He was afflicted. But now, but now, the law was pointing to Him. The prophets were pointing to Him. Because of Him, because of Him intervening into into humanity, into the history of man, that we have a but now. Conjunction, a change, except for this. But see, what I want to bring out this morning is something even more. Not just that we're saved, and that's great, don't get me wrong, that's the end of all these things, but I know something about you because I know me too. It's not the end of all things because it's not like all life is roses now. Not everything goes well. The plans we laid, a lot of times they don't really manifest themselves or work out, do they? See, Again, just taking that word, but, we're going to find a lot. But understand something. Understand that it is written. Excuse me. I skipped over a lot. I'll find myself. I'm here, you're here. We're all here. It's good. Go on, Luke. I'll go on. We see these things, though. Understand. That Jesus looked at them and said, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In Romans 5.8 it says, But God demonstrates His own love towards us, and that while we're sinners, Christ died for us. In Luke, when they came to the tomb, they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth. The angel said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. And you... He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But God, 
But God brought us into this relationship. But I wonder how many of us truly understand what it means to be in this relationship and what has been written in the past. See, in Romans 15.4, it says this, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. Can you say amen to that? Everything that is written is for our benefit as either examples a revelation of His face to us. That it is written. Can you accept that? Because I want you to think with me, whatever situation you find yourself in, or whatever predicament you feel like you're over your head in, I want to bring these things to your attention, if you will. Are you in a bad situation? Is it worse than Joseph found himself? Falsely accused? Thrown in prison? Not even talking about he was being betrayed by his own brothers. But just stick with the bad situation. Being thrown in the prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there... But the Lord, but the Lord was with him and showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Do you find yourself in a bad situation? Can you acknowledge that God is there with you? Are you waiting for that but to be in your life? It is written. Do you trust him to to work out that situation. Like I just spoke of, Joseph was betrayed by his own family. Do you feel betrayed? Family, friends? Do you feel like you were stabbed in the back? Can't be any worse than Joseph. I mean, think about it. His brothers were envy and jealous of him and they sold him into slavery. And towards the end of his life, remember this, towards the end of his life, they were afraid after their dad died that Joseph was going to then get even. But Joseph said this to them, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. See, what that tells us and teaches us something is that there's always going to be a but God in your life. Always. Oh, we may not understand why certain things happen in our lives. In fact, if you will, if I said, give me a show of hands, we all have experiences, we all have circumstances, we all went through things that we wish we didn't go through. You're not alone. Everybody has. Yes, I'm not trying to say which one's equal, which one's not, because it doesn't matter really. Everything's relevant to the person. Everything hurts. Everything makes one feel lost and betrayed. Everyone. Everybody, everyone's been hurt. We live in a sinful world. But can we 
come to a place of understanding that the story is not completely written yet. God has the answer to it. It will work out because all things do, but it's hard to embrace when you're going through it. It's hard to accept it when you see it blatantly there, when it keeps affecting our lives right now. You say, but what good is this? But see, when God's writing a story, there is a but God. And it will be for good. And when you see his face, you'll understand. So we see it in situations. We see it in betrayal. Maybe you feel like you have giants in your life. Things that you can't overcome. Things that are too big for you. Too hurtful. Too powerful. Well, see, that's what the children of Israel felt, too. See, that's one of the reasons why they didn't go into the land. See, they saw the giants of Anak there, and they said, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. We were just these little bitty guys. How could we fight against them? And because of that and other reasons, they didn't go into the promised land. So when that generation died, God reminded the children of Israel that their relatives, Esau and Lot, they were there too, immense giants. A people great and numerous and tall. But it says, the Lord, but the Lord destroyed them before them. But the Lord destroyed them. Giants in your life, the Lord, but the Lord will destroy them. Can you say amen to that? See, all these things are written for our benefit. Can you say amen to that? But God. Maybe you feel like people are ganging up on you. Whether it's at work, maybe at home. And just in life in general. Well, Joshua... As he was waiting for the Lord to give him instruction, the kings of many armies came against him. In fact, there were so many, it was a seashore multitude. So many horses and chariots, they couldn't count them. Because all these kings met together to come against him. To fight against Israel. But the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid because of them. For tomorrow about this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. But the Lord said, do not fear. But the Lord said, even though they're all against you, but the Lord said, I'm with you. Because of that, you will have victory. Maybe you feel right now just because of the world and its darkness that's surrounding you. Maybe the darkness is oppressing you. Maybe you feel like the darkness is making you depressed in itself, not just oppressed. Maybe the darkness is engulfing you that you feel like there's no light. There's no way to, to discern what's up and what's down. Isaiah spoke to the children of Israel and said, For behold... The darkness shall cover the earth and the deep darkness the people. He already said it would. (laughs) As we see, it is. But Isaiah goes on to say, 
but the Lord will arise over you. But the Lord will arise over you and His glory will be seen upon you. See, no matter how dark it gets, the Lord says, but the Lord will be your light. Don't rejoice over me, my enemy, when I fall. I will rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. But the Lord will be my light. See, with God, there's always hope. With God, there's always a work that's being done. With God, everything, whether it be evil or darkness, must flee from His presence. The Lord. Maybe you're dealing with a broken heart. Psalm 34, 18 and 19 says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's Psalm 34, 18 and 19. And I want you again to understand something. He delivers him out. Of them all. Please understand. We all need to hear this. You and I together. No matter what you're going through emotionally. Intellectually. Physically. God says. I. Deliver. You out. Of it all. All. Let that resonate. Let it sink in. Because see, if God is for us, then who can be against us? If God's at work, and His work is always perfect, then even my brokenness... Oh, remember, we've talked about this. See, my brokenness brought me to the cross. But even more so, listen... My brokenness allows His Spirit to work in and through me. Because I come to a place of understanding that I can do nothing apart from Him. That without Him, I'm hopeless and helpless. Maybe you feel weak. We all go through that. Psalm 73. I believe it's David. Can't tell you right off my head. But the psalmist writes, My flesh and my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The Lord lifts up those who are weak. Do you feel weak this morning? But God, God is our strength. Maybe just like we were talking about before, about being betrayed by family and friends. How about abandoned? Do you feel abandoned by your friends? Do you feel abandoned by your family? 
Have you felt abandoned by a church? Have you been abandoned? Do you feel abandoned right now by this government? Do you feel abandoned? Paul, towards the end of his life, was standing in the court, if the law, if you will. Nobody stood with him. In fact, he says, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But then he goes on to say, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. We know something. Paul died. But see, when there's a connection between child and father, when there's a connection between the one that was created with his creator, when there's that bridge gap, that has come through Christ, then we learn something. See, we're never abandoned, never forsaken, always watched over. Remember the last thing we talked about? What did we talk about? We talked that God sought you. God found you. You were oblivious. See, none sought after God. No, nobody. God had to do the seeking. And you and I broke and said, Oh, goodness gracious, what a deal this is. Yes! Save me. Save me from myself. Save me from this world. Save me from everything. And he said, it's done. Because you trust me. You believe me. And see, that's what we have to do daily. No matter what you find yourself in, it's daily trusting him. God is at work always. And it's hard for us because sometimes we feel like we're in this place all by ourselves. Nobody sees us. Does anybody hear us? Does anybody know what we're going through? And he says, yes. But God, do you believe me? But God, I'm here. But God, I'm at work. Come to me with your brokenness and I will heal. Come to me with your brokenness and I will make life. What is dead, I make rise. And the beautiful thing about God is He always looks at us. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me with your very life? And your soul. Temptation is always at the door. Knocking. And how many of us fall to it? We all do. Temptation in itself isn't a sin. But temptation is that knocking of us. Of saying no God you're not fulfilling my need. You're not answering the call. You're not doing the but God. And we all fall to it. That little arrow that little fiery dart the enemy likes to throw at us, and we sucker take it and accept it and believe it and indulge, whatever that is. Maybe we think it's just letting off steam. Paul tells us, there's no temptation that has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God, He'll meet my needs. Do I believe that? Because if I believe that, then the temptation isn't so much like a dangling carrot before a rabbit. It's the understanding that I, I have 
all that I need in Him. That He'll provide. Maybe you feel like the evil around you, the evil one is near. Not just the darkness, the oppression, but really a presence of evil. And we see it in the world all around us. What do we say to that? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Lord is faithful. We all stand before this. Whether we've gone through it in the past, or you're going through it right now, and that's death. Whether you have a loved one that died in the past, somebody that is maybe dying now. And all must die. This is appointed unto man to die. See, Paul in Corinthians says this, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? How many young lions we should be in lionesses. The strength and courage that cannot come from our own selves, but God. The victory that has been given to us in all things. Victory. No matter what you find yourself in this morning, no matter what struggle you're going through, no matter your circumstances, no matter family, friends, no matter what you're in, it's really what it is, is is a story for each of us in our own lives to let unfold that God is writing His epistle on our hearts, that we're part of a long story, each of us. But see, the author and finisher of the story is not you, it's not me, it's Jesus Christ. That we are all, if you will, like an empty page that he writes on. But the interesting thing is that we write too on that. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever done that before? I used to do that sometimes with kids. And they would say, I do it actually, I just did it yesterday. What am I kidding? I do it all the time. But they want me to tell them a story. So I'll ask, okay, what, what do you want in the story? What characters? And they'll tell me, yesterday, what I did was a couple of days ago, had my grandgirls there, and they always want to lay down. And this time what they had was they had this balloon head character. It's a balloon. And they gave me this balloon head character. And then they gave me this, uh, sorry, but this little overweight unicorn. That's what they called it. And then there was this other unicorn that was just striking with hair flowing and everything else. And they gave me names to each one of them. And they said, here, now tell us a story. And you know what? That's a good illustration of what we do in our lives. See, you and I mess up. You and I take things in and allow it to change the way we think, the way we feel. We take these things in. But now God says, now let me write the story. Even with the characters around you. Because it's always a happy ending. 
if not here with me. Your story's not done. The writer's still writing until he, he's the only one that can do this, puts the end. But really the end is only the beginning. Because the end of this story just takes you to glory. Are you with me? This story to glory. In the meantime, he's the one writing it. Now there's one thing that I will close with is the last one that I'll touch on. And that's the, the fact that in our society right now, our voices are being silenced. In fact, if you will, many in the church are joining in that silence by not speaking up and speaking forth truth. And because of that, too, there's something that's becoming apparent in the church. It's becoming anemic, becoming weak. Because of that, many are silent. Well, it happened with Jeremiah also. Did you know that? See, he got tired of telling the truth. And every time he told the truth, it just got him in trouble. As he spoke God's word to the people, he would find himself either in a pit or in prison or persecuted. That was his life. So finally he was fed up with it. Finally, he said, that's it. I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. For I heard many mocking, fear on every side, report, they say. We will report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying, perhaps he can be induced. Then he will prevail against him. And we will take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. See, there's something here again we have to come to, because life becomes so mundane so much, becomes so hard, and and really, if you will, there's silence in heaven, at least we think. But understanding now that this morning, as we've all come together, we understand that there's always a but God in all these stories. That God is the final author of all things. And everything will be done because we have it written down here. Have you read the last chapter? He wins. You don't have to turn there now. Just trust me. I've read it many times. It's one of my favorite chapters of understanding God wins. God wins. No matter what you see, the darkness, no matter what struggle you're going through, God wins. And you know what? You're part of that victory. Isn't that the wonderful thing? You are part of His victory. You are part of His crown. That's why He gives us crowns. Not for our glory, but just to remind us His glory. It's all Him. He did it all. What did we do? It's like a little child walking with their much used father since his father's day. That child trusts his father to protect him. That child trusts his father 
to give him good things. That child trusts his father, even in the midst of trouble, that his father is a strong tower to run to. But it's important for that child to listen to the father's instructions, to his words. Because in our Heavenly Father, He says, I write, it is written. And if you accept what I write as a gift to you, it will burn in your heart. Not because of the words themselves, but because of me who stand behind those words and wrote those words. And those words, if you will, for this morning is again to understand no matter where you are in your life right now, no matter what's going on, please hear this. But God. But God. You see, the world needs Jeremiah. That will stand for what is written and stand strong in the author of all life. The privilege that you and I have is that we're living in this day and age. The Christ church needs to shine his glory more than ever. It begins with us. It begins for us to say, yes, I trust you. I believe your story is being written out in my life too. Because see, Mike's story, Fred's story, Susie's story, Emily's story, Jed's story, Mark and Crystal's story, Sean's story, Elijah's story, all our stories. This is the magnificent thing. This is the mystery that the author takes each one of these stories and blends them so perfectly together. And only he can do that. And to us, that is now a body of Christ. It's His story being written through us. Even in this body. It is written, but God. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for the truth spoken this morning. But I also pray, Lord, for forgiveness of me being such a... a, a frail instrument in a mighty hand. But I rejoice in that too. Because even in my weakness, I know but God. Lord, your word is truth. We declare it. Your word is truth. We say, Amen. Your word is full of promises. Lord, I pray for each of us that we accept it this morning. What is written to burn in our hearts because it's alive. Not because the words themselves are in the sense, but the one who wrote them, the one who is the word, is alive. And for that, your word is alive. Because you stand behind it. 
your truth shall prevail. You are victorious. Mystery writer? Yeah, you are. (laughs) But a love story writer too. Oh, we see it. Tragedy into triumph? Yep, you write that in there too. Failure to success? Yep, check. Loser into a winner? Check. Sinner to a savior. Amen. Abandoned to embraced into a family. An eternal family. One without number. To a child. To an adult. Maturing. Each of us. Lord, my prayer is for each one in this body, for all of us. To hear the words that are written. To accept and trust in the author. And to see wherever we are in our lives right now, that it's not the end. God's going to intervene. God's got a butt in our lives. I pray that each of us can accept this. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.